0: Welcome to the God-Focused Podcast. Today, we are going to be unpacking the juicy wisdom from the parable of the prodigal son. And we have a guest today that will present this with us, um, Miss Kathleen Panning. And I'm going to go ahead and read the scripture first. We're reading from Luke 15 verses 11 to 32. And then I will introduce Kathleen and we'll jump into a really juicy discussion about this. So I am reading from the living Bible, Luke 15, starting at verse 11. To further illustrate the point, he told them this story. A man had two sons. When the younger told his father, I want my share of your estate now, instead of waiting until you die. And there's a big exclamation mark there. <laughs> his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Verse 13, a few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings, took a trip to a distant land, and there wasted all his money on parties and prostitutes. Verse 14, about this, about the time his money was gone, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve he persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. The boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the swine looked good to him, and no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired men have food enough and to spare, and here I am dying of hunger, another exclamation mark. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired man. Verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming and was filled with loving pity and ran and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and you and am not worthy of being called your son. Verse 22. But his father said to the slaves, quick. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him and a jeweled ring for his finger and shoes and kill the calf we have in the fatten- fattening pen. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has returned to life. He was lost and is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard dance music coming from the house. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Verse 27, your brother's back, he was told. And your father has killed the calf. We were fattening and has prepared a great feast to celebrate his coming home again, unharmed. The older brother was angry and would not go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years, I've worked hard for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after spending your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the finest calf we have on the place. Verse 31, look, dear son, his father said to him, you and I are very close and everything I have is yours. But it, it is, but it is right to celebrate for he is your brother and he was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. That concludes the reading of Luke 15 verses 11 through 32 from the living Bible. I am going to have to go back through and circle all the exclamation marks that I just saw. That's amazing. Um, all right, let's introduce um, Kathleen. She was on our podcast a few weeks back. Um, We had a beautiful conversation about the Genesis life. And so today she is back. 33 years ago, Kathleen started in a position as one of four associate pastors on the staff of a large congregation. She was the first woman to hold such a position in that congregation. After being there almost five years, the new senior pastor told her she could choose, either resign or be fired. Both choices left her feeling like a failure, ashamed, and like she was not good enough. Kathleen worked with mentors and coaches, which enabled her to go on and serve for 13 years in a team ministry with her husband. Mentor, 14 seminary students, through their first two Years of seminary and started business after retiring, which for almost four years now has included a weekly internet radio show and a podcast called A Flame Ministry. Kathleen is passionate about developing leaders, especially women in leadership positions, so that God's love radiates through them to their family, in their work, and to their community and beyond. Kathleen, welcome to the God-Focused Podcast. It's so good to be back with you folks.
1: I had so much fun the first time, you couldn't keep me away.
0: Yay. (laughs) Love it. Yeah, on the call today, we have um, several voices with you, Kathleen. We'll be discussing, um, we'll be asking you questions in just a bit. We've got MJ, Kevin, Yolanda, Bill, Troy, um, myself. I think I got everybody. Is that everybody? Yolanda and Yolanda. Yes. So we have a crowd here today. So take it away, Kathleen.
1: Good, good. good. This is one of my favorite parables. And um, wanna, it, it's. I've got a story as to partly the power of this parable that I'll share with you in a little bit, but I want to go through some of these, uh, the wonderful juicy pieces of the parable that I didn't really know until I did a lot more studying on it. Um, And we can think of this as kind of a play with three acts to it. And each act is basically focused on one of the three characters in the play. And the first part of it is about the younger son. And now, you know, we think of somebody younger like that. And, uh, you know, how old might he have been? Well, typically uh, in that day, uh, males married between 18 and 20 years old he's not married yet so he could have been as young as 17 or 18 somewhere in that age group and um he's because he's the second son out of two he would have gotten um, maybe a third of his fathers of everything he had because the Jewish custom was that the oldest son inherited a double portion and all of the other sons got what was left split between them. So in this case, it would have been about a third. Um, and if he took that earlier than his father's death, it would have probably even been less popular possibly as little as two-ninths of the whole estate, Um, with the father having the rights of using and enjoying the fruits of the profit uh, of the balance and the property as long as he lived, meaning the son would get basically only the capital out of it. So if the son took his inheritance early, he would have also had a moral obligation to his father with regard to what he did with that inheritance. And in the later case, the, um, a son had no further claims to his father's estate. So once he took that part, anything more that was added to the estate, he wouldn't have gotten any part of it. By asking for the full amount of his inheritance at that point, which would have included part of the land, the younger son was an, in, fact, in effect saying, hey, Pop, I wish you were dead. you know. I'm ready to be done with you and to get part of the land. And with this son, um, basically selling that off, that was a huge no, no for, um, Jewish people. You kept the land of all things. Um, but the language of, um, to a father saying, "I I wish you were dead. And everything is almost unheard of and called into question, not only the, the son, but also the authority and dignity of the father. So, that's that's the context that we're talking about here. And when it says he gathered all he had uh, and loaded up his possessions, or whichever translation it is, it, it better translation would be that he turned it into cash. And so, um, he's. Ignoring any moral claim his father might have had on the property by liquidating the assets so he can travel. And going to a distant country was basically that there were a lot of Jewish people who left their homeland for money making opportunities in a bigger city. But this younger son's interest is in having a good time with the money. Um, and depending upon which Uh, biblical version you're reading, it talks about um, living recklessly or on dissolute pleasures is lacking uh, restraint of moral conduct and dissolute or dissolution is not a solution. So there's a bit of a play on where it's dissolute pleasures, then those are pleasures that are not a solution to give him any meaning in life. And uh, the word here means he was so self-indulgent as to be really incapable of uh, in, in squandering his finances. Uh, he basically couldn't stop himself from squandering this. Um, but, you know, it, What you read, Angie, from the uh, Living Bible said he uh, was involved with prostitutes, but there's nothing really in the word that's used in the Greek that indicates that. So that's often been an interpretation, but there's really nothing in this text that indicates he had anything to do with prostitutes. Um, uh, It's kind of the idea of... Um, having no concept of the uh, consequences, the economic consequences of how he was spending and what he was doing. And then there's this famine that comes along. And the realities of life hit him smack in the face uh, with that. So he hires himself out. Um, It was some form of an attachment to another person. Uh, The person here is a Gentile because he has pigs. Uh, A Jewish person would never have been allowed to have pigs. So um, this younger son becomes basically an economic refugee, a foreigner with no rights. He, He is a herdsman all societies at that time, and feeding pigs was for every Jewish person, a very unclean occupation. Um, And the fields uh, um, that he was in were part of the the farmer's property, but working for a Gentile was degrading to Jewish people. Uh, Working with and feeding pigs was as low as low could get for a Jewish person. And then eating the food meant for the pigs was even lower. It was the depths of degradation. It was basically, he was becoming a pig in many respects. Um, He was outside of the covenant in any way, manner, shape, or form possible. Uh, The pods that he ate, or the food there, refers to um, a particular fruit of a tree from Palestine. Uh, It held uh, berries in these pods that were bitter. And uh, it was That was a food used for fodder, eaten only by the very poorest of people, had very little nutrition. It was basically a starvation diet. Um, And the idea that no one gave him anything meant that no one provided him with food and what little he might have earned in his work wasn't even enough to buy himself food. So he was really down in the dumps. To say he came to himself uh, is a Semitic phrase for repenting and um, and I the, it's the idea of doing a complete 180 in his thinking. a complete turnaround, a radical radical shift and uh, it's a, an about face um, to think of the hired hands that his uh, father's had his father had, um, they were not slaves, um, could have been a slave or a bondsman. Um, but it was more like, uh, somebody who had some freedom who could gain at least some level meager, perhaps of financial independence, but not, um, a true slave in the sense. And the idea that he says that he's going to get up and go has the sense of now it's, uh, a determination to act swiftly and urgently and so he made the decision and he acted on it immediately um and, and he says i have he thinks about himself what he's going to tell his father i have sinned against you uh and heaven uh, his sin is squandering his money ignoring his legal and moral obligations to his father and acting as a bad steward um, And against heaven is against God. Um, And so in a sense, that means that the father in this parable is not directly uh, uh, depicting God, although the attitude of the father uh, depicts that of God as we get further along. Um, The idea that he's no longer worthy, The worthiness here is, in a sense, a a religious sense. He's no longer morally fit to be called or regarded as a son, whether or not he is disowned. Um, He has no claim on his father and can only ask to be given the position of a servant in the household, is basically what he's saying. So that's the first scene of the younger son. Now we get to act two, uh, and this is focused on the father. Uh, and it's really the heart of the story, and the father's compassion is the central theme here. Uh, and it comes before anything and everything in the story. the The father sees the son far off. Um, the there's a couple of things with this. The father usually families live together in uh, a in kind of a village-like setting. And there might've been a stone wall around the village uh, for protection. And for the father to see the son as far off, he was probably in the village at the time. And he ran. Um, To remember what you may have seen of images for people in biblical times, men wore very long robes and it was inappropriate for a man to show his legs in public. So for the father to run, he would have had to um, hike up his robe at least far enough to show his ankles. Uh, And that would have made him disgraced in the eyes of anybody who saw him. And a dignified man would never run. Um, And the word imply here implies that the father was, he wasn't just trotting out there. He was at a full blown run as fast as he could. And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to run real fast with something long on, I'm not just going to hike it above my ankles. I want my legs to be able to move. And so that robe would probably up um, several inches or more. Um, and you know, he's running full out as fast as he can while holding onto this rope. Um, And when he gets there, he throws his arms around his son and kisses him. And these actions, especially the kiss, are a sign of restoration of a broken relationship. Uh, And in any public dispute where reconciliation was achieved, a part of the reconciliation ceremony was a, um, a public kiss by the leading men involved in the reconciliation. And so the initiative of all of this is solely that of the father. By kissing the son first, the father prevented the son from doing what would have been expected of the son, which would be to kiss his father's hand or feet. By kissing first, the father keeps the son from having to show his father's superiority which is an interesting part. Um, the younger son starts his confession, but never gets to complete it because the father interrupts him. And the father orders a, a slave, probably a household servant, not a slave, um, to and gives this person two pieces of instruction. And the first has to do with... Um, Getting the best robe in the house. Uh, That indicates the status of a son as restored to the household as a son. A ring was a symbol of authority, especially indicated this uh, son is a free man, not a slave. And also, uh, sandals or shoes were worn in the house, um, were not worn in the house by guests only by the master and the family. And so the sandals represent authority and possession as well as freedom. That's the first instruction. The second instruction is what leads to the celebration. The fatted calf is an animal specifically fed and kept to be slaughtered for a really special occasion. and the reason for the celebration is expressed as, you know, the son has returned home. And the language suggests that the son had inten- had announced his inten- intention to never come back. And that was as good as dead, even if he was never disinherited by the father. And his unexpected return is what leads to all of the rejoicing. Um, and... Th- There's some other things that if we have time, we'll talk about that as well. But that's basically scene two. And then we get to scene three, which starts with verse 25. The elder son, Uh, sometimes that's, this is the part of the parable that doesn't get preached on. But the elder son's out working in the fields, doing his job, uh, being the good son that he is. And when his brother comes home and the celebration starts, And for no, the reason is never given as to why no one is sent to tell this older brother what's going on. Um, So when he comes near the house, uh, he doesn't have a clue why there's all this music going on and dancing and a party. Uh, And so he has to call a servant to find out what the world's going on. Music would have indicated some form of wind instruments, uh, could have been uh, what comprised a whole orchestra for that day. Uh, Don't think modern day orchestra, but you know, whatever would have been for that day. And dancing was, um, it suggests that the men were clapping and singing and dancing. Not the women, but the men were doing that. Uh, The servant merely relays the facts as he knows them. And then the older son becomes angry. We're not told the specific reason for his anger. Um, There are some commentators that suggest the older son's role would have been as the host of the banquet. And if that's true, then the father not consulting and bringing the older son in could have been seen as an insult to the older son. That's one possibility. Um, There's also um, probably some objection to the welcome home given to one who's done nothing to deserve it and who has, in fact, harmed his father, been very disrespectful. It could have included, and probably because of the language, uh, uh, some sibling rivalry or even fear of some loss of inheritance that he had been given. So, all of these things could have been mixed into why the elder son responded the way he did, but we're not really told. Um, Out to the older son, just as he had done with the younger one. And if the translation you read says he began to plead with him, it would be more accurate to say he spoke with him kindly. So again, the father has this compassion for the older son. But the older son's response omits any respectful address to his father and actually criticizes his father and casts doubts on his brother's character. Um, It's the older son who says in verse 30, um, the son of yours, uh, so he's no longer considering the younger one, his brother. Um, And the younger son's portion of the inheritance has been destroyed in the sense that it can no longer contribute to the family fortunes. So the father's poorer as a result of that. And it's the older son who brings in the idea of the prostitutes, but there's no evidence that the younger son had any such dealings in, in what we have. It's kind of um, an implication or supposition on the older son's part. Um, the, The older son also feels that he's been in the position of a slave. He's obeyed every command of his father to the letter. And the son says, in effect, that all of his faithful obedience has brought him no reward, not even a young goat which was a much cheaper meal than the fatted calf and uh, to have a party for his friends. Uh, And when the father responds to all of this, he addresses the older son very affectionately, assures him that he's constantly with him, and that everything the father now possesses is his. And this means that legally, the older son will literally inherit the farm. Uh, If the older son has not already enjoyed the fruits of it, it's simply because he hasn't asked rather than because the father was unwilling to give it. And these words imply that the older son really had to go and enjoy in rejoicing and uh, come into the party. Um, The father's words are the end and the climax of the parable. And we don't have an answer. I mean, we're kind of left hanging as to whether the older son responds, or how he responds to his father's words, and the invitation to join the party. We don't really know. So um, a couple of other things um, to let you know. um, The younger son's behavior would have been a great shock to Jesus' hearers. Um, His treatment so degraded the father. Um, His actions and reputation in a distance. And country would likely have reached home and added more disgrace to the father and the family and the whole village um, and the one other piece that I want to share with you about that is um, for there was a, a ceremony that and I got to find it here in my notes um, that if somebody like the younger son coming home, he could, he could have faced the possibility, and I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, of uh, something called gesasas. Uh, and this was a ceremony by townspeople for a son of the village who had either lost his money to Gentiles or married an immoral woman. They would, at that time, gather around him, breaking jars, with corn and nuts, and declared that he was to be cut off from the village. And so by the father running out to meet the son, he prevented any possibility of that kind of a ceremony from happening. Um, And from the son being expelled, basically, from the community as well. So those are just... (laughs) Those are some of the really juicy pieces of this parable. Um, yeah, we could talk about a bunch more of it, but I want to hear what you folks want to say
0: and want to ask and share about the parable. All right. Anyone have want to lead us off with a thought? Otherwise, um, MJ, will start with you.
2: As you're talking about this, Kathleen, I keep thinking about the parable of the lost sheep, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, Mm-hmm. The shepherd goes out and finds this lost sheep, just kind of like this dad, uh, this father's compassion here of as soon as he sees the son, he goes, oh, there's that lost son that I had, you know, and because they thought that he was dead because of the famine and all that. Um, but I, I can see the attrition that um, this kid went through. Uh, he knows he sinned. He knows he's sorrowful for it, you know, but that forgiveness that his father gave him that that's a powerful thing for me and um, that forgiveness is just it's so huge in this yeah. in this world and and we all know he he did wrong but he he did too but he was you know he he knew where he needed to go to get that help you know he went back to his father you know and i i look at the second son you know there's you know and kathleen helped me with this there's a lot of jealousy and reaction in his reaction is more of like pride, isn't it? That, you know, the second son has for this situation. Is that what you're saying? We could read
1: that. in. Yeah, we could, we could kind of read that into it. We're not specifically told that's what's going on. Um, But certainly uh, there's, there's hurt, there's anger, um jealousy could very well be a, a part of that. Uh so I mean you know, think of yourself in that kind of a position. And you can probably come up with the same sorts of feelings that the older son had. Yeah. Would be the best thing I can say. Yeah. I agree. Here I've been loyal all this time, and look what you're doing for that, you know that son of yours type of thing. One of the things that I've always gotten out of this parable and the the power of forgiveness is really important, but the word grace is defined as God's undeserved, unearnable love and forgiveness. And what I see in the older son is that there's times when that grace can be offensive And, you know, are there there times when we are offended by God's grace? And, you know, I I struggle with that sometimes with myself. You know, are there times when I'm offended that God could really have grace on someone and forgive somebody else?
0: Yeah, that's a a huge, um, yeah, that's a huge thought there, Kathleen. Uh, Thank you, MJ. Kevin, and then we'll go to Yolanda next.
3: I think that uh, th- there's uh, some beautiful, you know, subtlety in that you did an excellent job of really kind of <laughs> elaborating on uh, in that uh, whether it's the attitude of the older son or just the despondence and uh, kind of the low stature that the younger son had, you know, um, what was new to me and, and what I really um enjoy about what you said uh it has to do with the father right this this idea that he he comes running and uh, this idea of that being um you know um uh, in the uh culture right that it's a it's a non what, what was the word you, it was it's it it wasn't it wasn't becoming of a man of his character and status to to do something like that Right. Yet he, he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. He doesn't care about the status. He doesn't care how others see him. He doesn't care how, Mm -hmm. how his actions are perceived. He, he, he does it because he wants to do it. And then he, when he gets to the son and the son, he already knows the son's heart. He can tell the son's heart, you know, from what I gather, you know, he he understands where that son's at and uh, it's done. Right. It's, it's this idea that don't, you know, it's behind you, you know, you're here now, let's move forward with life. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, so he doesn't, he doesn't even require, which was another neat thing, this idea of acknowledging superiority of God, right? He doesn't even uh, ask of that. He simply acknowledges my son, is home. And, uh, that's, that's pretty powerful. Uh, it's incredibly powerful uh, to think of <laughs> how generous that is. Uh, it, it really that the, the way you described it really put the generosity of God into a whole nother light for me. Just really, um, I appreciate that. That 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 really touched me when you said it that way.
0: Um, Yolanda, would you like to share? And then Bill will be next. I'm I'm struck. By the Father's uh, love and His compassion and His zeal
1: for um, for His Son returning,
3: uh,
1: it's just uh, it's just really comforting to know that our Father is is like that. Um, he's very compassionate and loving, um, and He has a zeal for us. He wants us to come to Him. He wants us to to be with him um, always and to be um, to be a prodigal uh, returning is like uh, the best thing. (laughs) Um, There's a party for you.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. He wants us to come to him. Beautiful. Yolanda.
1: Quick comment on that. The word prodigal actually means someone whose behavior is reckless. And with that definition, who's the prodigal in the story or who isn't the prodigal in the story? Is there anybody in that story that is not a prodigal?
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Bill, are you ready?
4: Oh yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> um, you know, I... Uh, uh, I haven't heard this uh, story since I died and went to heaven and um, it's uh, kind of interesting that I've always believed that the story was about how the father would treat somebody that once was on his team and left him, but has come back and how um, he missed you and loved you, even though you were in, a- Acting contradictory to um, what and how he raised you, so I always thought that the story was really about the father um, accepting somebody that was once lost but now is found, and basically the son found his way home. And uh, when I got to go to heaven, and God said, "I'm not finished with you. I'm sending you back," um, you know that really impacted me and um i kind of been dealing with uh uh what does god want me to do and um i have a very biblical uh understanding of the bible and can interpret it very well because of my personal experiences and really we're a product of our mindset and how we think so i'm gonna i decided to write a book about acronyms that i've come up with and uh that will be for another podcast though angie and uh I mean, I think you guys are going to be very, uh, I think that this book is going to impact the world because of the acronyms of how do you think, do you think biblically or are you uh, uh, just thinking about stuff that doesn't really matter, you know, and I've read the Bible twice and uh, I love it and it's great. And uh, I think it's uh, the living word of God and I'm really impacted by uh, just the parables of Jesus and uh, the old uh, some people in the Old Testament you know Ecclesiastes, King Solomon and um, you know I believe that uh, we should all have the mindset of the Father and forgive those that have wronged us and if they return home love them that's all I got to say
0: cool amen oh, that's exciting bill. oh I love it I love it yeah that. no I'm
4: really excited like it's been in my heart. Um, I didn't really want to write a book about my trip to heaven. I want to write a book about how I think about God. And uh, I see his signs everywhere. Uh, you know, And I'm going to share two of them for you, okay, right now. just uh, You're going to love this. It's, it's really cool. Uh, everybody knows the Honda CRV, right? Yep. Okay. Well, what does CRV mean to you? Well, to me, it means Christ returns victoriously. And then the other one is Chase Bank. Um, chase means Christ has arrived, saving everyone. So those are just some of the acronyms, And I got many, many, many more that I just want to share with the world because they're everywhere. And that's a sign that our God is alive. And that's just how my brain thinks. And these acronyms come to me within a lightning second. And you got to wonder, where do your thoughts come from? Well, I think they come from God. I think they come from other humans that we mentally, we have this aura and spirit about us that we are able to connect with other people. And, you know, um, I'm, I, I met a guy once, he's like, I carry a notepad in the shower. He's like, I have my best thoughts in the shower and I reach out of the shower, grab the notepad and write it down. <laughs> you know, and, and that guy happened to be a Mormon, uh, but he, he was really a neat gentleman. I just, and we had a discussion about God, and I was supposed to be there about business, and oh, man, but anyway, I mean, I just met some incredible people in my life um, that have impacted me, and how do you think? I mean, God is all around you
1: if you see it. Yep. Amen. I'll Woo! think about that one. Yeah, Amen. I drive a CRV, so. <laughs> oh, oh, <good>. perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh wow that that's a blessing right there
0: yeah yeah the synchronicities anyway oh that's beautiful thanks bill you're welcome uh, yeah we'll talk more on that troy thanks for being on the call
3: andy
0: yay
5: yeah, just uh, one thing that I get uh, relate a lot to in this passage really is about the uh, forgiveness, you know, the father and forgiveness of the the children. Really, you know, being the father of four children, I can relate to that quite a bit.
3: Mm.
5: And you know, just that forgiveness—it's it's great to see that we're always forgiven, right? And and I have to do the same with my children, right? Forgive my children because having four children, there's always a bit a bit of competition between the children of, you know, I've given you this and you know, another child wants another thing and comparison. So, but they will probably never agree on, you know, they equally receive the same amount of blessings we'll say from us as parents, but, you know, just understanding that they, they probably won't ever agree on that, but still as parents, we have to forgive them no matter what they come back with, you know, whatever the comment is, whether it's a good comment or a not so nice comment. We still have to be very forgiving.
0: Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Troy. This conversation has been phenomenal. Kathleen, I'm going to ask you to jump in with the last comment, perhaps that story you were thinking as we wrap up here, but I really appreciate each one of you, your perspectives. Um, I love how each of you, you know, with your experiences, we all have our own filters, and we can filter this story in so many ways and then share it back to one another. Just so beautiful. Um, Kathleen, your points, um, just diving deeper into the richness of the details and the, the context and the history. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for all of that. So um, with that, Kathleen, close us out.
1: Yeah. Um, this, this parable is very powerful. And I, I had an opportunity a number of years ago, I was studying in what's called CPE, or clinical pastoral education, working in a hospital setting. And as um, part of that, I was on call sometimes and was asked one day, one evening, to visit with uh, a gentleman uh, who was refusing to have um, a heart cath. And uh, the, the staff was very concerned about this. He was not an old man in his early to mid 40s and um i got to talking with him and uh learning more about him and his story and just trying to find out who he was and what was going on and why maybe he was refusing to have this heart cap and it took a good while Um, But finally, he shared something with me that he had two children and one of them as a very young child had been seriously ill and he had been praying and praying and praying for that child to be healed but the the child was not healed uh, and was getting worse and was on the verge of dying and he felt that God wasn't listening so he turned to another source. He made a pact with the devil, that if the child lived, the devil would never soul when he died. And um, now he was facing the possibility of uh, having major heart problems and getting near to death. And he was saying he knows where he's going when he dies. Um, and I asked if I could, if he had ever been part of a church, and he said, yes, but it was years ago. And um, I asked if I could share this parable with him, the story, if he knew it. And he didn't really know it. And so I told him. I didn't read it. I just told him the story, especially uh, Acts 1 and 2 of the story and about the father's compassion and basically ended up with saying, you know, God is kind of like that father. If he wants to come home, he God is waiting for and he said, yeah, but the devil's pretty powerful. I said, well, I think God's more powerful than that. And I asked if I could have a prayer with him. And he said yes. And I did. And I left. And because of my responsibilities in the hospital, I didn't get back to that unit. It wasn't one I was assigned to uh, for a couple of days. And because I was you know, kind of curious what had happened. And I finally did get back there and he had been discharged. Um, But I I asked the nurses, you know, what happened? Did he have the the test? And they said, yes, he did have the test. Now, I have no idea what happened to this gentleman afterwards, but I do know that he sharing that parable with him at that particular point in his life was really, really important. And, you know... um, Where he is now, what's happened, part of being a chaplain in a hospital, you don't get to hear the end of the story, kind of like what happened with the older son here. You don't get to know. But I trust that, you know, no matter what, that parable was stuck in his brain now, ever after, and uh, affording him that opportunity whenever he might wish to take it, if he would. So we never know what seeds we plant but Jesus parables are very powerful for doing that and that's what i'd just like to leave you with so amen brilliantly in, these parables can show up and fit in
0: places and at times we never thought possible amen well thank you all um this has been fantastic absolutely fantastic man we could we could have done several episodes from this <laughs> and really we could go even deeper so um yeah we might explore that so thank you okay. Kathleen okay. for joining us and um um uh, to all our listeners out there i um you know from our hearts to yours we just bless you with these words and wisdom and um you know just from our hearts to yours um just keep being awesome stay god focused And um, thank you all for sharing your hearts. And in Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: So if something's being said during this podcast that's really pulling at your heart right now and tugging at you right now, just say this little prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. You died for me. And thank you for coming into my life. You are my Lord and Savior. And by saying that prayer, you're bringing him that much closer to you and just saying thank you for being there always with me, Lord. So I hope we've helped in some way. Jesus is always there for you. Just use that power. Thank you for listening to the God Focused Podcast. And if we've said something today that has helped, we do have two action steps you can do with our program Number one is we have a prayer team. If you'd like us to pray for you, just email us at godfocusedpodcast@gmail.com, at and we could put the prayer team on your situation. Secondly, if you have the financial means to help us, we are right now trying to improve the quality of the podcast with technology and editing. If there's any situations you can help with us, we have a custom program right now we're building for a custom membership, and then we'll have membership packages down the road. Please email us at godfocusedpodcast at gmail.com, and we can send you that information. Thank you for all your help and love through Jesus Christ, and God bless you. Have a great week.